Hollywood Casino, Press Box, all new Five Night of the Fan. Frank Cusimano with Bob Ramsey here till 12. Rob Range joins us now. Rob, a lot to talk about. I know you were in Arizona, and uh, Victor Scott has had some really good isolated games. Haven't seen the overall stats. But is there a chance he's kind of changing the narrative and expediting the learning curve and he could be a legitimate uh, candidate to be a starting center fielder next year? Yes. You want me to elaborate? No, yes. not necessarily. No, that's good. <laughs> hey, thanks for the visit. No, Rob, no, it's great. Um, I, yeah. I kind of think the same thing as we see this, this thing develop and for a number of reasons, right? He's a terrific center fielder. He's got some pop in his bat. Um, he doesn't seem overwhelmed uh, at the plate. Uh, the speed's obvious. That we, we've talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. He he he, he, he checks, certainly he appears of, to be. Yeah, yeah the, the whole pack. He checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, and I think I, I I'll say this. I think he's going to come to spring training with a chance to win the job. And we we saw that what happened last year with Jordan Walker. Now he's not you know, he's not in Jordan Walker's superstar prospect category. You know, but I think he's he's really made an impression on the Cardinals in these year and a half that he's been in the farm system. And you know, you shot all the way up to to you know the Arizona Fall League and Double A. And, and I think he doesn't strike out, which you know is a great thing. Draws some he's drawn some walks out in Arizona. I think yeah. Yeah, he's a very confident guy in his ability that he can succeed. He's getting a lot of help from Vince Coleman as far as you know how to read pitchers and tendencies and things like that, even on an unofficial basis, you know, mentor, mentorship kind of thing. So I, I think he's depending on you know everything. Everything's relative. You know, nothing's in a, a silo or whatever. So we don't know what other moves the club's going to make over the course of the of the winter. But if if all things being equal, I think he's going to come to spring training with a chance to win the job. And if he doesn't win it outright at the start of the season, I think he'll be here at some point during the year yeah I, I agree 100 percent. so it must be correct um the uh, rob you know and and, and I, i've been thinking about this because i'm a nerd and i've been thinking if scott has a good spring that or it really it doesn't even matter what if we knew what the cardinals thought about him but if they were that high on him as we think they are or should be then they've got to trade one of their four second basemen They've got to. And then it's a matter of not how we value those four second basemen, but what we think the value in the marketplace is for a trade. I think I'm on the right track. But there, there again, though, it also depends on what other moves that they make. You know, right. do you if you can sign if you can sign the number one or two starting pitchers that you want through free agency, then it changes the trade demands for what you would want for you know one of those players. So if you sign, you know, just for instance, you sign Yamamoto and, and Gray, then all of a sudden the, the, your needs for a starting pitcher lessen what you have to give up. So you might be able to give up one of the lesser second basemen and still hold on to Gorman, for example. Yeah, yeah, good point. All right, after Victor Scott, who has been the next most impressive young Cardinal? Roby, Jacobo Roby. Yeah, the the other one of the, the other player they got went to Segesia. I would put Segesia up there, but he's not. If he's not just playing in Arizona, because Segesia was not in the fall league. But uh, but Roby pitched very well out there and I think he's going to come to spring training with a, a chance to open some eyes now I'm not saying he's going to be in the in the rotation to start the season because he didn't pitch a lot this year because of a shoulder injury so he needs he just needs to build up some innings but there and he's he's younger too he's a high school pick you know a few years ago so he just needs to get some time in but I think they're very very encouraged by what what they've seen from him so far and he um let's see he's 22 um Last year we didn't get we didn't see a whole lot. We only pitched in 14 games. But do you think he has like number two or three starter stuff? He's not a number yeah. one, or, or is he? I, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think he he's right there in the middle of the rotation. I would say in that group of, of pitchers where you would, you know, every you know, every all baseball people will tell you everybody's the number one on the day that they pitch. But you know, I think that he's he's not going to be you know, Nola or, or Yamamoto. I don't think at this point in his career. But I I think they're very excited by what he's the, the potential that he's got. He's got swinging this stuff. You know, which they're big on right now. What do you think? Uh... Give me uh, what you think the Cardinals' situation is at the at the meetings, um, just sort of uh, tonally. I mean, what kind of feel are you getting? Are they laying the groundwork? Do you think they're in some serious talks? Where's the marketplace and the I, Cardinals in it? Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to find out. I mean, I think that's that's what these meetings do. And you know, you they, we all know that they've laid groundwork for for big trades at these meetings in the past. You know, Paul Goldschmidt comes to mind. You know, they they initiate some conversations with the agents to for see free agent pitchers, let them know who we're interested in, what what they're thinking about as far as, you know, maybe not discussing the actual terms of a contract, but just, you know, hear the agent out on, you know, here's what we're looking for, here's what we're thinking, you know, where's the market at this point. And it's just gonna take somebody to make that first move and, and, you know, strike first and then kind of see where these guys fall in the line after after that. So um, this is going to be interesting to see how they, how they, we know they've got money to spend. It's just going to be interesting to see how they allocate it. And of course, just, just, you know, the fact that the Cardinals want to sign a guy and make a, an offer to him, even if it's a very good offer, doesn't guarantee anything because it's up to the player to decide ultimately where he wants to go. And, right. you know, sometimes, sometimes the money drives that equation. Sometimes it's location. Sometimes it's feeling like you have a chance to win. You know, there's a lot of different variables that goes into, into the age of a player, you know, how long their contract they want. You know, if the Cardinals are going to go guy, get a guy like Sonny Gray, they're obviously paying him, play, you know, signing him for fewer years than they would Yamamoto, simply because of the age factor. So, you know, all those things are going to come into play. So, but I think the whole purpose of the meetings is just some face-to-face conversations and find out what other teams are looking for, where they might have a possible match that then they can circle back later and and see what they're going to do. And I, my my own opinion, without talking to anybody directly, is that they really want to explore the free agent side of the pitching uh, market first before they have to get into trade conversations because they really don't want to trade anybody that would thinking that they might have to trade to get a pitcher. Yeah, the uh, prognosticators or the writers have already started laying their predictions. What do they know? Yeah, what, yeah. what do they know? Exactly. But I've seen Sonny Gray, actually, with the Cardinals. So is three years yeah. $60 million about the number for the 34-year-old right-hander? Uh, that sounds good to me. I mean, I would think that's a reasonable number. You know, I don't know why... why uh, you know, obviously the market's going to drive that, but maybe go a little bit higher. But you know, it's uh, I think that's right in line with what the Cardinals would how they would value him. I think I saw one of the uh, one of the picks um, from one of the national outlets thinking Blake Snell uh, has the Cardinals number one. Yeah. So I don't who knows? It's all. A bunch I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see that as a fit. I really don't. I, I don't either. Yeah. Um, the thing, of course, too, don't forget about Southern signing Gray. Like that would cost you the number two draft pick. I mean, they're, they're number one pick in the draft next year. And I, I know I hold for hype the draft more than probably a lot of people, but it is important. It is how you build, you know, your club with the good young players. I think, and you know, their number one pick, no matter where it is after this lottery thing, will be protected. They're not going to lose the number one, no matter what they do. But, but signing Gray, signing Nola, signing Snell, any of those guys, because they did receive a qualifying offer, would cost them their second-round draft pick, which would be like the 35th or 36th overall pick in the draft. It's a real, you know, reasonably high pick, so it's a, a factor they're going to weigh into the equation as well. And when you hear the number $200 million for Yamamoto, what do you think with the Cardinals' chances there? They can pay it if they want. 
Yep. You know, there's not going to, that number shouldn't scare anybody. I mean, they offered 200 million a few years ago to David Price. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, the fact that he's 25 years old is a, is a fact, you know, is a plus here. The fact he's already got a relationship with, uh, you know, at least one current member of the Cardinals that he knows, his agent knows the Cardinals well. So, you know, the Cardinals know the Oryx team here very well. Matt Slater's well connected with them. He's got a business relationship with them, representing them in the U.S. So I, I think, you know, I, I don't, if that's the big, if that's the cost for it, depending on how you, how many years it turns out to be, I, I don't think that should scare the Cardinals. I think that's the number that they can live with. I agree. And I'm, as we look at the marketplace in the U.S., maybe that is the best way to go. Uh, also, because of his, the, the the kid's age, Yamamoto's age, um, and not as many innings piled up, I I think that might be the number one target. I, I would think he's definitely the number one target, and and just a matter of where that where the market dictates how fast does he want to be moved. You know, he's yeah. he's a little different than some of the other guys who are free agents in the U.S. because it's a, there's a limited window of when you can sign those Japanese players. It's 45 days after the day that he's posted, so that market will have to move a little faster. But mm -hmm. how you know how you know again that's you know a lot of the Japanese guys we know that come over here their their only thought is starting kind of stay on the west coast so they could be close you know as close as they possibly can be to Japan to go home whether that's you know Los Angeles San Francisco Seattle I mean it does seem like a lot of those players who come from Japan that's their their preference is to stay there but you know I've never heard anything yet that says what you know Yamamoto has a preference from a geography standpoint you know does he want to go to a big market so he can you know maximizes potential but there again I would say it, look at it and I know Derek has a story about it today in the paper but look at what Newbar has done as far as the marketing in Japan is mm -hmm. concerned so the fact the fact that he's in St. Louis doesn't really seem to hurt his marketing appeal in Japan so I would think that's something that the Cardinals could maximize too with, with Yamamoto is say you don't have to be in New York or Los Angeles to get a lot of attention you know, on the Japanese market you can do that right here mm -hmm. alright quick thought on Trevor Bauer I know it doesn't seem like the Cardinals type of signing but worst season in 33 years uh, 200 million may scare you away with Yamamoto and you don't want to trade Nolan Arenado so as I'm not saying he's your one but it seemed like it would seem like him at a reasonable number may be ideal desperate times desperate measures what do you think I would be surprised if it happens. I mean, I know we haven't talked to, to Bill DeWitt about that since the charges were all worked out and, you know, he wasn't criminally charged. That investigation was dropped and everything. But, but at the time it was going on, Bill DeWitt, was, Bill DeWitt was pretty adamant that they had no interest in him. So um, I would think that would have to be kind of a make-good contract, you know, a, a one year with an option maybe for a lower base with some, some incentives built in there just to kind of protect them a little bit. And I would think that also would only happen after they'd exhausted some of the other possibilities. Yeah, and you wonder, um, as it looks like uh, in the big case in L.A., he was set up, but he had he's had issues at every stop. Yeah. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he, a, uh, is he just a guy, but he's a little bit of a freak? I mean, uh, that's yeah. where you'd want to do the investigation and try and get to know the guy and figure out who are we really dealing with here. Yeah, it also depends on how much money you're trying to talk to him, you know, into signing for. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're if you're investing one year in a guy for a lower salary, you maybe don't have to have quite as much background details, due diligence on him as you would a guy you're signing to seven years, two hundred million dollar contract. You know, so I, I think that's all going to play into the fact, into the equation as well. And you know, that's the other thing about Yamamoto too. Again, we just talked about signing Gray would give you a number two pick. What? 
I, you know, Bauer being a free agent right now wouldn't cost you anything, any pick, just like Yamamoto wouldn't cost you right. a pick. So I, I think those are all things that they have to consider. But I, I would think that Bauer becomes a, a last resort after you, after you exhaust all the other possibilities. All right, tomorrow night, well, first of all, your big uh, weekend is coming up. Tell our listening yeah. audience about it, and you and your lovely bride, Sally, have done some incredible things to help kids with cancer. Yeah, we run a charity called Rainbows for Kids. Uh, it, it's a charity we started 23 years ago. Sally's the driving force behind it. Uh, our niece had a brain tumor uh, when she was six years old, and so they, they started the charity to kind of help kids and give them something to look forward to. It's all grassroots, all volunteers, no paid employees, and just put on parties for kids at the hospitals and, and give them you know some fun things to do. Always take them to the Cardinal game, take them to the community outings, do some stuff for the parents. Just you know anything we can do to kind of lighten their load a little bit and, and give them some some fun things to look forward to. A fishing trip, picnic swimming parties things like that so yeah so our annual fundraiser is uh, is this friday night and both of you guys have been kind enough to help us out with different parts of it and so we're looking forward to a, a really fun evening uh, some of our childhood favorite tv stars are going to be in attendance including jerry mathers who was beaver on leave it to beaver keith timido who played little ricky on i love lucy and um, John Provost, who was Timmy from Lassie, Eddie Munster, who was Butch Patrick, all those guys are going to be here, and a, a really great stand-up comedian named Rick Roberts, who impersonates Barney Fife, unbelievably. Oh, is that right? Andy Griffith, so yeah, he's going to be the uh, the kind of the, co- the headline act, if you want to call it, during the performance, as far as his, <laughs> doing a little stand-up comedy act. So it's uh, it's going to be a really fun night. It is sold out. We've got you know between 270 and 300 people coming, so it's it's going to be a, wow. a fun a fun night. We're really really looking forward to raising some money to help these kids. So Frank, you Frank's been working on his material, so you're going to tell him you know he doesn't need that that night. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I, I need whatever, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, I need the, the questions for hit and run for uh, Jerry Mathers. I remember, by the way, a couple years ago, Marianne was there, and I came back and I told Monique I was with Marianne. And we had a bunch of pictures. She goes, "You really like her, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> she was a delight, wasn't she? Yeah, she was very nice. Yeah, that was a go against Island team. That was probably about six years ago now. So yeah, time time flies. All right, sir. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Rob Range joining.